0: Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Bible Wire. In these podcasts, we discuss what the Bible says, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today, George Reuter, that's me, will be continuing our study on the book of Acts. Settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who God is and how he loves. Welcome back. Episode 22. Uh, I'm George and we are continuing to march through the book of Acts. Um, I'll take you through chapter 8 in this episode and the two that follow. Let's begin with the first eight verses of chapter 8. I'm reading from the NIV. And Saul approved of their killing him. Now the hymn Uh, I'll pause here for a moment. The hymn is Stephen, uh, who was martyred at the end of Act 7. Go back, listen to episode 21. Back to the text. "'On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church.' Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in that city. Let's talk about dispersion. The persecution was described as great. That's what it says in verse 1. And it traces back to Stephen. What Stephen did got himself killed, and what Stephen did got a bunch of Christians persecuted. The things he said at the end of chapter 7 about the Jewish leaders, about their failure to accept Christ, about the way they killed Christ got himself killed, and those things got a bunch of Christians persecuted. That persecution scattered believers throughout Judea and Samaria, and Paul was emboldened to destroy the church. He genuinely felt that it was a righteous thing to kill Christians, that he was putting out a rebellion against Almighty God. Um, it has been said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, and, well, we see that. First Thessalonians 2 describes the phenomenon by which many churches were planted as a result of this dispersion. Um, we don't always understand why God moves people around the way he does. We don't. We see people move. We know God's hand is in it. We know that, that he sends these people here and those people there. Uh, personally, I think he should just send everybody to us where we are in this town. But that's not how it works. And I've seen lots of friends from my town move far away. Uh We don't always understand why God moves people around the way he does, but here we see a clear example of an apparently bad thing, persecution, leading to many people coming to faith in Christ. So why did the apostles stay in Jerusalem? There is some speculation on this. Uh, Some believe the twelve thought that their presence in Jerusalem would be important even in a time of danger. There is also some speculation that the persecution was aimed at Hellenistic Jews like Stephen, and so the Hebraic Jews would be safe. The scripture just doesn't tell us. We don't know, so people are speculating based on what they know about first century church history, uh, what they can surmise from the text and others like it. Um, It is rather interesting. What was it? Verse... uh, verse one, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So like, why did the apostles stay? There were surely other Hebraic Jews in Jerusalem, but lots and lots of people scattered. So Paul, Paul unleashes his hatred for the church. How often do we see someone who covers up hatred with polite behavior only to unmask themselves when there is sufficient cover? The picture of the Antichrist that some people see in Revelation is of someone who is regal at first, that is, in fact, how he becomes a world leader, but then when the conditions are right, he exposes himself for who he really is. (laughs) Um, in the Left Behind series, which I think is based on some faulty theology, but which is an excellent story about the end of the age, uh, Nikolai Carpathia is quite the nice guy early on. He is a charismatic, young up and coming world leader, and all of a sudden he pulls the rug out from everybody and unmasks who he really is so we have paul who genuinely a nice guy up and comer in the jewish community all of a sudden he is unleashed he believes genuinely that he is doing a righteous thing killing christians let's talk about the evangelization of samaria it is time to talk about samaria Speaking of seemingly bad things turning out for good, it appears that the church scattered and spread the gospel. In verse four, those who had been scattered, evangelizomenoi ton logon, which means proclaimed good news, the word. That's what they did. The evangelion is the good news. So evangelizomenoi ton logon is proclaiming good news, the word. Philip apparently went to Samaria and preached the gospel there. Pause for a moment to think about this. Philip, in the midst of persecution, puts himself out there for the sake of something more valuable. The good news of Jesus is so important that it's worth risking life and limb to share it. That was Philip's calculation. He was willing to risk being found out so that others could know the good news of Jesus. It is also worth thinking about the following. The apostles stayed back in Jerusalem, so they weren't leading the charge on this wave of evangelism. This was the first wave of evangelism for which they were not the lead players. So. You sort of see in the beginning of Acts, in chapter 1, you have the, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts. Was that just for the 12, or was that for the 12 to receive and hold for the church, and then it's the church that does all of that? Well, apparently... It's the church that does all of that. Because the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. They didn't go out and do all the evangelism in Samaria and the byways and the highways. They didn't go. They stayed local. So this is a wave of evangelism begun in persecution that leads to many, many people coming into the kingdom. And can we also talk briefly about Samaria itself? That place was well known to be despised by Hebraic Jews. Hebraic Jews thought of Samaritans as half-breeds. Because that's what... Samaria is what happened when Jews got together with Gentiles and, quote-unquote, intermarried. So, Hebraic Jews were already predisposed to look down on Samaritans. But Hellenistic Jews didn't have the same prejudices. Philip didn't have the same prejudices. So Philip doesn't think twice about going to Samaria to talk about Messiah. In fact, it is likely that the Samaritans received the gospel precisely because Philip was not a Hebraic Jew. So, side note, maybe you have the burden, but someone else has the job. Maybe it's your burden that all should be saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus. That doesn't mean it's your job to bring everybody in. It just doesn't. Sometimes you have the burden, you pray into it, you provide leadership, you provide training, you provide teaching, and then somebody else has the job. Somebody else closes the deal. Somebody else brings them into the kingdom while we're noticing things. Can we just say that God sometimes moves us out of our comfort zone because he has something for us? Would Philip have reaped a harvest if he had stayed in Jerusalem? Would the Samaritans have come into the church if Philip had stayed in Jerusalem? Uh, I'll speak to this for myself. I love my comforts. I love my creature comforts. I don't like change, I don't like new things, I don't like new environments, I'm not into adventure, I'm just not. But sometimes God moves us out of our comfort zone because he has something for us. Philip doesn't reap the same harvest if he stays put. He just doesn't. The Samaritans... Were the Samaritans going to show up in Jerusalem and say, tell me about the gospel? No. So, Philip had to go. Something had to send him. Persecution sent him. One last thought in this message. Philip preached with signs and wonders. Philip preached with signs and wonders. It's not just about the preaching of the word, and it's not just about signs and wonders. We want to preach the word in a solid way and we want to see God break in with signs and wonders. They are not mutually exclusive. There are lots of Christians today who just want to preach the word. I love them. They're brothers and sisters. They're great people. And I hope they do it with excellence. I hope every time... Any of my brothers and sisters preach the word. They do so to put Jesus front and center. And I, I have plenty of brothers and sisters who talk about signs and wonders. And how they want to see Holy Spirit break out in ridiculous ways. And I love them. And they're wonderful. And I hope that when God gets a hold of a generation, he does so with signs and wonders. The two are not mutually exclusive. Um, Sometimes the stereotype in the church is that if you have good preachers, that's because there are no signs and wonders. And if you have signs and wonders, then the preaching tends to be terrible. It does not have to be that way. They do not have to be mutually exclusive. I don't want them to be mutually exclusive. I want to see the church rising up in power and in powerful preaching of the word. Well, Philip sets the tone for Acts chapter 8 in in a pretty cool way. Uh, We'll follow up on this. We'll finish up the chapter in the next two episodes. Can't wait to get to this with you. And so, we'll see you next time. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.